This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to Total Saints Podcast. This is the dedicated weekly podcast going to the heart of all things Saints FC. Firstly, a very happy Father's Day to all the Saints dads out there. We're recording on Father's Day. And secondly, in partnership with Saints Archive and Saints World, we're back with some actual real-life Premier League football to talk about. Yes, Saints were back in the swing of things up at Carrow Road, and we'll reflect on that fantastically convincing 3-0 win versus the Canaries. With the games coming thick and fast over the next six weeks, indeed two in the coming week, it's all systems go. The first of those sees Saints return to St Mary's action versus Arsenal ahead of visiting Watford's Vicarage Road. We'll have a chat about that Gunners fixture and, as we always do, end with a range of relatively positive match predictions and also mine. The panel this week is tried and tested. In their case, form is temporary, class is permanent, lockdown or no lockdown. It's Glenda LaCour, the Daily Echoes, Dan Sheldon, and forget Project Restart, this is Project Regrant. Yes, he's back. It's the owner of Saints Web, Steve Grant. Evening, chaps. How you doing? Evening. Yeah, not too, not too bad. Yeah, good, good. Dan, Glenn? Happy we're well, not getting you. relegated. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's amazing what one week can do, can't it? So, uh, um, look, I mean, obviously Dan and Glenn were on with us last week, so I won't necessarily get them to talk about Father's Day and self-isolating and all that sort of thing. But Steve, good to have you back with us. Um, just briefly on you, I know you've been working hard on new Saints website, so if anyone hasn't had the chance to look at it, tell us uh, briefly about how that's been going and where they can find it and all that sort of thing. Yeah, so I mean, well, I mean, it's still in the same place. It's still saintsweb.co.uk. Um, but basically, we've finally... Uh, bitten the bullet and moved across to a um, new bit of forum software that's just dragging the whole place into the 21st century really yeah. um, it's, it was quite amusing actually looking at the uh, the license for this for this bit of software that I actually bought in 2013 <laughs> um, but just haven't had time to do what was necessary um, given that we've got a database of nearly three million posts yeah. um, so converting everything over was um, was just time consuming. Didn't never had the time to do it before, but having been basically sat on my sofa for the last three months, um, finally got round to, to doing the switch, and it's yeah, yeah it's just infinitely better, um, a lot faster as well. So um, so yeah, all, all good at the moment. No, excellent. I only realised when I got an email to tell me that Saints Web had cancelled my subscription. I thought I'd been blocked or something like that. So uh, firstly, I thought it was spam, and then I checked the uh, website to uh, investigate, and obviously that's when it caught my eye. Yeah. So. Because obviously where we switched over, all the annual payments and stuff have been uh, because the the URL that they that PayPal would point to mm. uh, doesn't exist anymore. We basically just had to bin uh, bin those payments off. Right. Um, so anybody who's I mean anybody who's got a paid subscription at the moment, um, I've manually 
sort of added them back into the into the system. So on the, on the forum, you get all the permissions and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just you'll you'll probably get a reminder from the forum itself <clears throat> when that year's up. Yeah. Um, you'll need to need to buy buy another one. Fair enough. Um, so there we so, go. So, yeah. No, excellent. So good. Well, well done for moving across. And yeah, as Steve said, saintsweb.co.uk if you've not checked it out. Right, there's a fair bit to get stuck into. We're going to look back on the Norwich game and, as I mentioned, look ahead to Arsenal. So let's just get cracking. Sponsored by Happy Hot Tubs. This is TSP 120. I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to start. How easy is the process? It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happyhottubs.co.uk Hi guys, I'm Danny Ings and you're listening to Total Saints Podcast. Saints kicked off their project restart with a brilliant 3-0 win versus Norwich last Friday thanks to goals from Stuart Armstrong, Nathan Redmond and of course Danny Ings. Dan, before we get into some of the talking points in the game, I wondered if you could tell us a bit about your Carrow Road matchday experience because I think I'd certainly find it interesting. I'm sure many others would from sort of arrival to leaving. So what was it like from a, a sort of protocols and process point of view? What did you have to undertake? Well, I mean... It started on Wednesday or Thursday. I had uh, an email from uh, one of the members of their press team over there. And it was a 28 page document uh, from Norwich about, you know, these are the the can and can't do's. Um, And then following that email was another document that you have to print out as a medical questionnaire, essentially two pages long. Have you been to done these things? Blah, blah, blah. Print this off and bring it with you and hand it in at the desk when you get here. Mm -hmm. Um, one bonus was that uh, obviously with no fans there, the, the car park and we have to park in the the car park now, which right. is good because normally they send you God knows all over the place. Ipswich or something. Um, yeah, so I think <laughs> before the st- so I arrived at uh, the stadium um, at the car park before you can get in the car park. There's obviously two people there all with their face masks on, their gloves. Uh, they get fairly close to your car. You know, who are you? What, what are you doing here? Tell them your name, and they look for you. Then they send you in. Yeah. And then you get blah, walk over to the next desk. Um, and at that desk, you again have to say your name, who you are, show them your ID. Um, they say, right, OK, off you go to the next desk. You walk about another hundred or so yards. There was another desk and it was a, a gentleman was there and he said, right, OK, who are you? What are you doing here? Blah, blah, blah. Where are you from? So you repeat yourself again. He gives you the pass and then he says, right, I just need to take your temperature now. And he just points a thing. It looks like a gun, but it's obviously not a gun. Take your head, <laughs> zaps it. That's a relief. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Has a little look at it. Says, right, yep, yeah, you're fine. If you walk around the corner, there will be someone else at another desk. So then you think, great. So then you walk and then you get to the um, the press entrance now. So I'm thinking, great, we're nearly here. Yeah. And then there's one more desk. Who are you? Where'd you come from? Here's your pass. Like, you showed them your pass. Um, you get another, I think this was three pages of all information with the you know the can and the can't do's you walk through back into then the press we weren't allowed to sit where the the press would normally sit i believe we're in the um the director's box nice it's just it's behind a glass um panel but all of the seats you know it was you'd sit in one then there'd be two empty then there'd be someone next to you but you know all the ones had like tape all over it Mm. and the idea is that you know once you were sat in your seat that's it now until you leave you get into the ground you sit down and whereas before, you know, you'd obviously be in the press lounge and chatting for the journalists or guys from the club, you know, that was all shut. It was simply go to your seat, sit down. You'll stay there now until we essentially kick you out. Right. Um, so then, yeah, sit down. You obviously have to wear, you have to wear a face mask. That was something that uh, is compulsory that we have to be wearing face masks now. Same as what would happen. You know, you'd obviously watch the game. You're doing your work. And then at the end of the game, that's where it's a little bit different. Ralph. Uh, as has been the case throughout the, the lockdown and with the pre-match press conferences, is all done via Zoom. Right now, so you get sent an email with a, a link to a webinar, and it says log on from eight, and the manager will join you. And then they do it all that way, and then uh, you speak to, to interview the player because obviously the mix zone is shut now. Mm. Um, you essentially just uh, ring them up, uh, and you do it over the phone. You can see them on the pitch, and they're looking at you. <laughs> but whereas before, you could get like a whole huddle of journalists in a mix zone. One person just gets nominated now. Right. So, for instance, uh, the guy that took care of the Norwich player worked for the Eastern Daily Press. 
And then Saints rang me up on Wednesday or Thursday and said, oh, do you mind doing the player for us? And then you just essentially share the quotes around. Mm. Uh, and then from the final whistle, the clock starts ticking because you've got 60 minutes. And in 60 minutes, they essentially kick you out and it's right, you need to go home now. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of the process, is that what it's all like? It was a lot of, you know, a lot of desks, a lot of checkpoints. But, you know, that's just part and parcel of what it's going to be like for the remaining eight games. So, yeah, I mean, it's not too bad. You know, I feel obviously, I'm sure a lot of Saints fans would have um, loved to be there. So I felt obviously very lucky to be there. Mm. Well, there were uh, a few. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we saw your photo, Steve. Yeah, yeah. And it was obviously a, a great result for them. So, yeah, all in all, it was a, a weird experience. Don't get me wrong. It felt almost like watching an under-23s game with better players. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you don't think about it. too When you're at a state, you get so used to just the noise of fans that when you take it away, it really is quite strange. Yeah. Um, it's not something that I was expecting. I knew it would be a little bit odd having watched the games on Wednesday, and I purposely didn't watch it with the the crowd noise I thought no I'd just watch it and see what it's like without that but yeah it doesn't quite compare to being there it's quite eerie yeah there's certainly a lot best to go through but just finally on this because um, you know I think it's really interesting and I'm sure you felt safe and I'm sure the journalists did and you know it's totally understandable that there's so many protocols to go through at the moment but you, I mean obviously as a journalist do you tend to sort of take notes on your laptop so was it kind of with all that sort of silence in the pitch there was just lots of journalists typing around you and that was quite irritating or do you tend to take notes on a pad or what? Although it was silent, you still obviously hear, I mean, Ralph is an incredibly vocal manager. So that was quite, you know, it was a shame we were almost inside, really, because yeah. you could hear him, but you couldn't quite work out what was being said. I mean, he was shouting at Jan Valerie to run a lot. That was very clear. <laughs> um, but, you know, aside from that, you know, and that's one of the insights I was hoping to get, you know, is just yeah. you know, what, what, the, what the players were saying to each other, what Ralph's saying to, his, um, to the players as well. I mean, in terms mm. of the typing, you know, that's not too much of an issue i mean i felt more sorry for the guys that were behind me because they had to have the laptops on their laps uh, as opposed i mean i was lucky to be on the front row so i had a window sill to put mine on yeah. but yeah it wouldn't have been an enjoyable experience if it was on my lap especially with the work laptops because yeah. they overheat very quickly yeah totally just final question then dan what's what's the protocol so we're recording this on sunday night the game was on friday obviously saints will next be in action thursday night coming against arsenal what do you have to do personally in terms of do you get tested again now as a journalist or do you have to go any through you you'll just get another form potentially from saints to say that you've been tested or you've tested yourself or what yeah so essentially we don't get tested uh, we don't have to be tested or anything like that. It's because, just about the uh, symptoms. I mean, yes, I'm sure you're aware they split into like green zones, amber and red zones. And essentially, you know, we won't ever come into any contact with anyone in, that is allowed to be in a red zone. So like the guys at Saints, for instance, uh, members of their media team, I could see them on Friday, but you couldn't go near them. I mean, if uh, one journalist did go out and say hello and, you know, someone quickly noticed that he'd got up and, was told to you know go back quickly um but it's say yeah i mean i spoke to simon peach who's obviously been on this show and he was like you know it was if he was like the man city game uh man city arsenal and he said you know it was a little bit different there than it was here so i mean i get the impression that it'll be different wherever you go but ahead of thursday i'm anticipating saints will send out their own i don't know if it'll be 28 pages or not but i imagine i'll get one of those and there'll be another questionnaire that i'll have to fill out and hand in uh, on the way into the stadium so you have to fill out that questionnaire for every game yeah no, brilliant well it's really good insight so thank you I'm sure everyone interested uh, certainly like myself to hear how you've been and obviously the good thing and fingers crossed you're, you know, you're safe and sound and all that sort of thing so good to hear and on the pitch then Glenn um, it was a bit of a, a rusty first 15 minutes or so from Saints as the Canaries had the, the better of it but didn't necessarily take advantage of course we obviously went on to play very very well and we'll talk about some of the, the goals and the moments and that sort of thing but just in terms of that 15 minutes probably understandable after 100 days or so of not playing yeah, well, it's the same for everyone, isn't it? And you, you just hope that defenders in particular, you want them to be safety first. You don't want them to be making horrendous mistakes. And the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, well, to start off with, you know, Jan Valerie played a, played a superb through ball to, um, <laughs> to Puki behind Armstrong and he had to wrestle him down. That led to a free kick, which led to three or four corners. And it took us about five minutes to actually get into their half. Mm. And it was all caused by that sort of like one bad mistake. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I initially thought going into the game that as, as long as we matched Norwich for work rate, you know, that we would come out on top because, mm. you know, we're a better team than them at the end of the day. But, you know, giving, giving them that sort of foothold in the game in the first sort of like 30 seconds really 
really put us on the back foot for about sort of 10 minutes. And, yeah. it, you know, we, we, we just, I think as Stuart Armstrong said afterwards, we, you know, we didn't start great, but we, we grew into the game. And, you know, looking back now, from sort of 20 minutes onwards, it, the result never really looked in any doubt. It was just mm. a case of, you know, would we actually manage to uh, produce a final ball to uh, to give us a goal? Because you know, the rest of the first half it was just a little bit a little bit frustrating that we, uh, you know, we had the the ing shot that hit the bar, and yep. but we did sort of like butcher a few opportunities with poor crosses or poor decisions when we uh, when we got into the to the uh, Norwich half. Yeah, and Steve, I mean, what did you you make of the the sort of starting lineup from a Saints point of view? Because obviously Gineppo was suspended. We know Shane Long unfortunately was out, and you know, maybe Adams would have been an option. Of course, he struggled all season, so Obafemi started. I guess the only other talking point, as Glenn said, there would have been potentially right back where you know Walker Peters or Valerie, and Valerie, you know, did play, but probably you know looked fairly uncomfortable. I think right from the off. So I think it probably reiterated for all of us that that right back position is going to be something that you know as Dan's reported before, Saints need to be looking at now and definitely in the summer yeah I mean I think the fact that Valerie is still getting games despite the um, performances and specifically little incidents in games that we're seeing rather shows um, what Ralph Hasenhutl's opinion of Carl Walker-Peters is because mm. um, if he can't get, get a game ahead of a lad who's making at least one big cock up every game mm. And, I mean, let's be honest, we were very fortunate that one of his two big cock-ups on Friday didn't result in a goal. Yeah. Um, there was the, obviously the one that Glenn mentioned in the very first minute, which um, screwed Armstrong over. Mm. Um, and then there was one in the second half. I mean, admittedly, we were already 2-0 up at this point. But in his desperation to keep the ball in play and clear it down the line, he just shanked it in back into play and gave and gave them an opportunity where Pookie's shot was blocked. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, we got away with it earlier in the season. We probably, when confidence was a little bit lower, I think I don't think we probably would have got away with it. Um, Against so, a better team, we wouldn't have yeah, got away yeah. with oh, it. Oh yes, yeah, so, I mean certainly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, let's face it, there are 19 better teams than Norwich in this league <laughs> this season. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are there are clear there are clear issues uh, to work on uh, defensively. There's still a lot of concern there defensively, mm, but. Mm. Um, ultimately, we actually look we actually look a threat going forward now. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is something we haven't done for a lot. I mean, even for a lot of this season, um, away from home, where where our performances have been pretty good mm. and results have been very good away from home, um, we've still not looked that great. Um, sort of in attack, we've just had um good moments on the break. Whereas, um, I think in th- in this game, we when when we had the ball, whether we were counter attacking or um, or just kind of building. Um, we always looked quite comfortable when we looked as if as if we had a threat. I mean, it did help that Norwich's defensive organisation was probably on a par with ours against Leicester. Yeah. Um, it's just that we didn't have quite the um, sort of ruthless um, streak that Vardy and Co had that night. Because um, I mean, we we could have had five or six in this game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quite easily. Yeah, and and Dan, I mean, you obviously mentioned Ralph and the fact you could hear him shouting through the glass and things like that. You, you, you know, he would have obviously appreciated that it was their first game back. Of course, by the end, he would have been more than satisfied. But you know, apart from the Stuart Armstrong chance from the corner that he sort of whipped and crawled, saved down low, and then of course that great Jack Stevens run that the the pass to Ings and hitting the bar. Because you kind of sense a bit of frustration from Ralph in that first half. Because obviously Saints did take a bit of while to get going, and of course when they did start playing, they didn't necessarily make it count. A little bit. I mean, you can. Like he's a very animated manager, and there are a couple of uh, occasions, you know, when a player sort of got through, but maybe didn't look up at the end, mm. uh, and an opportunity went missing. You could see Ralph, you know, sort of put his hands on his head and sort of question what on earth is going on here. Yeah. Um, but I kind of the game, uh, you know, how it started. I thought, oh gosh, you know, Norwich came flying out of the blocks, and I thought, oh well, Saints could be in a little bit of trouble here because mm. they, you know, and they did have a couple of. Uh, you know, half chances where you think one of them goes in, then the whole dynamic changes. But the game in itself almost reminded me of the the win at Fratton Park. Yeah. In a sense where Portsmouth came flying out for 20 minutes, missed a couple of chances, then all of a sudden Saints realised and thought, oh, hang on, we're a lot better than these guys. And then they started playing. Yeah. Um, they didn't create too much in the first half. Obviously, Danny Ings hit the bar, but then obviously in the second half they sort of came into their own, and you mm. could just see how much fitter they were than Norwich. I mean, Norwich were. They were gone after half an hour, pretty much. 
Yeah, totally. Um, Glenn, I know it's been heavily reported, but that was our first Premier League win at uh, Carrow Road since the famous 5-4 in the 93-94 season and our first ever top flight double over Norwich. So, you know, there's no doubt in the second half, of course, that Saints turned it up a notch and for large periods looked like prime Barcelona out there, the way they were sort of playing around Norwich. But how important do you think those sort of two early goals after the break were for Saints, Glenn, in terms of obviously Danny getting his 16th for the Premier League uh, and Stuart Armstrong settling them down, I guess, because, you know, they were both great finishes, but it was obviously important to come out straight after half time and make it count it's kind of like the perfect performance isn't it mm. um you know you okay half time nil nil not great i mean norwich seemed to give up at nil nil <laughs> that's what amazed me it was almost like they they came in at half time thinking well we ain't gonna win this but you've still got to take advantage and, and scoring the goal after two minutes then of course you think is there going to be a reaction from norwich you know are we going to go back into our shell sort of thing but scoring the second goal virtually straight away you know mm. To- totally killed the game but in, in typical Saints fashion you, you still you still think 2-0 you know, if Norwich get one back it's a bit it's a bit ropey and I was I was getting very frustrated with the with the chances that we butchered in the second half particularly with um, Michael Obafemi not getting his head up because yep. he could have passed one to Armstrong he could have mm. passed one to Ings and it would have been 3-0 4-0 mm. absolutely no bother okay he's young he'll learn um, and he, you know, and obviously everyone's a little bit, a little bit rusty. But I, I was very frustrated for a, for a little bit that we didn't get the uh, the third goal, you know, quicker. Yeah. Um, but you know, once we got the third goal, you kind of realise, hey, what what on earth was I worrying about? But <laughs> it's great for Danny Ings to um to to get another goal, and he looked tremendous. Mm, um, yes, yeah. all, all game, he looked tremendous, and I liked his interview at the end where he 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 obviously just enjoyed playing. Mm. It was just it was the, the the enjoyment that he got from just playing a game of football was 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 very obvious, and I thought that that kind of shone throughout the whole team. Everybody mm. looked like they enjoyed it. Um. You know, we were we were talking last week about how terribly we've started seasons in the past, and this could be difficult coming back. But having the same manager <laughs> um, for this little season, um, as uh, you know, same as last season, we've come back really well organised, and we look really fit compared to virtually every other team, as Steve said earlier. So it, it's it, you know, it's 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 good, and he's. He's he's obviously got them organised, and mm. I'm expecting us to do reasonably well in these games now. Whereas, you know, the pessimist in us all was saying, <laughs> oh, crap, we'll "Lose to Norwich, and then we'll lose to Arsenal, and then we're looking down the barrel," sort of thing. But. Uh, that's not going to be the case. No, we'll come on to predictions later. Of course, Dan was a lot more positive than the rest of us, so well done, Dan. But uh, yeah, I think, um, I mean, obviously the, the other thing I was going to mention there, and you're right, Glenn, about Danny, is that there's already been lots of chat about bigger clubs looking at him. And, you know, I'm sure he's still ambitious, but I think, you know, many of them fail to probably understand lots of these journalists and media that actually he's really enjoying playing for his hometown club. And I think he's playing with a smile on his face. He's kept himself fit. So, you know, I'm sure he will be ambitious, but I think also they need to understand that, you know, he may well be happy playing in a, a club, you know, like Saints so um, we'll see what happens there um, obviously Steve Nathan Redmond made it 3-0 I think it was 22 shots to 9 in the end as, as you guys have sort of said already it could have been a lot more convincing it was our biggest away win since the 4-0 up at Sunderland in uh, February 2017 but I think the, the thing that really shone for me Steve and I think for many Saints fans were the you know, yes, Norwich were poor, but you can only beat what's in front of you. You know, there were lots of really good contributions right across the pitch. So, you know, there were strong runs from Ings and Obafemi, lots of energy from sort of Prowse, Pierre and Armstrong. And, you know, I thought despite Norwich not having much of a threat up front, that Bednarik and Stevens looked really solid, did what they had to do really well as well. So hopefully a good sign for sort of remaining eight games. Yeah, I mean, we, we look as if we've got a settled um, structure, at least, if not necessarily a settled first eleven. Um, I mean, I think the 11 that played <clears throat> Friday is probably as close to close to full strength in terms of the type of player. I think uh, I think Long realistically will play ahead of Obafemi when fit. Mm. Um, but it's that sort of player um, to complement Ings in terms of the um, the sort of work rate and the and the extra, little bit of extra pace and a um, little bit of extra strength. I think the the only thing that that Obafemi doesn't have is the is the height and aerial ability of Long, mm. um, yeah. which I mean that it may it may develop over time. It may not. It it might end up being that Obafemi is a kind of uh, play on the last, play on the shoulder, the last man type striker eventually. But um, I think having having a sort of structure and not chop, constantly chopping and changing either personnel or the system 
And I mean, I, I don't have a particular issue with making subtle changes to suit certain opponents, especially when those opponents are better than you. But I think eventually there comes a point where you just got to get your get your own house in order first. Yeah. And I think since the since the autumn sort of debacle, I think that is kind of the the key thing for us is that we've got our own house in order in in a certain sense. We've worked out what um, what type of system works best for us. I mean, it's not working for us at home at the moment, but I mean, maybe maybe Arsenal were the are the ideal opponents for us in that respect coming up this week because they're they're still going to have have this um, I mean, potentially sort of uh, misshaped belief that they're a they're a top team and therefore mm. should be ma- should be making making the running. Yeah. Um, in which case, that then leaves a whole load of um, whole load of space for us to um, tear apart on the counter attack, and their defence is an absolute shambles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we've done we've done a lot of we've done a lot of work over the course of the season, not just in the in the three months that we've had off. Mm. Um, I think I think kind of everybody deserves a bit bit of credit for that. That yeah. um, it would have been easy for everybody to switch off with. Um, 34 points on the board. Realistically, there's enough crap teams down the bottom who aren't going to overtake that uh, that points points total already. Yeah. Um, so we could have kind of taken these these last um, last nine games as a bit of a jolly, but um, no. I mean, we we looked, barring the first sort of 10 15 minutes, we looked we looked like we were focused and and had had something to play for, which is which is good. Yeah. And Dan, just to sort of come on to that point, I think Steve's sort of led nicely in because I just want to talk briefly about Ralph as well because look, I know Saints are a very professional club. You know, we see it a lot on the social media channels. You'll see it a lot. You know, they, they obviously have a, all the experts. They work hard on the training pitch, that sort of thing. But I think lots of us, you know, I speak for myself, were really impressed by their fitness. I mean, they kept going to 95 minutes. You know, they made their first subs on 80 minutes once the game was dead pretty much. So, you know, clearly Ralph had been working them hard since they'd come back. You know, clearly he had them ready. So a mark of his sort of professionalism and class as a manager really yeah I mean to be fair I think credit uh, on on the fitness should really go to uh, Alec Gross and his team the training programs they were given you know during the break they weren't just you know do 10 press ups a day they were sort of full on (laughs) you know it was full on stuff and that that paid dividends I mean look how fit they were compared to Norwich and you've Mm. already mentioned the substitutes uh, in the 80th minute you know most of them players they could have just carried on for another 15-20 minutes anyway Um, so that, and I think even Ralph, uh, after the match, he alluded to the fact that, you know, the, or was it before the game? I can't remember it all happened. So last week was a very busy week. <laughs> you were probably at one of the desks when he said it, though, right? So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you, even he was amazed at, you know, how fit the players were when they returned. And all of that is down to, you know, the, the sports science department, really, and the programs that they gave the players. Um, yeah. but then Ralph has still got to do, you know, do the tactical work and you know they got it spot on against Norwich like you said you can only beat what's in front of you and Norwich you know they weren't very good at all Mm. Um, but yeah I mean the evidence of what we've seen you know they look to have got the three month period they look to have got it absolutely spot on you know obviously tougher tests will come Steve's already mentioned it could be a great time to play Arsenal but you know they will provide more of a challenge than than Norwich will so that that could be a better test and then obviously uh, Watford at the weekend which will probably be you know, probably an actually tougher game than Arsenal because they're obviously scrapping as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know Ralph was very, very happy with the work that, you know, the sports science team had done with his players. No, I've got to say, personally, 10 press-ups a day sounds challenging enough to me, so uh, well, <laughs> that's why I'm not a professional footballer. But here's what uh, Ralph had to say after the game, courtesy of SouthamptonFC.com. Well, I think the first 10 minutes we um, had a little problems to, to come in the game. Uh, very aggressive opponent. But um, yeah, especially in the counter-pressing, they have been good in the first 10 minutes. But then there was one, two scenes where we, we started to, to, to fight back. And from that moment on, I think it was a very good performance in the first half. A few good chances for us, a good transition. But the last game, or the last pass, the last shot was not perfect. And in the second half, it was exactly that what I was uh, uh, demanding, that we, we are more clinical in the final third. And... Uh, this big chances we create, we must also use them for goals. And Inzi was the, the opener, I think, and uh, like very often. Yeah. The impressions I had uh, that my guys are fit, uh, they they showed that this is, it was right. Uh, I must say they worked quite hard in the break, and it was a long break, but uh, seems uh, that they did their job at home. And uh, we we know that uh, we were working hard the last three weeks. 
and uh, to, to push uh, a game 90 minutes without our fans. They normally support us and they help us normally to, to win games. Uh, we, we try to, to be as sharp uh, without them. Yeah, for us, uh, 37 points now was a big step forward. Uh, um, I think I must say that this club in the last uh, 100 days was so committed in every in any part, in any moment. And uh, although we had our fans today not with us, uh, I think they know that we do our job to make them happy. And uh, I think we had, we sent a good signal for, to everybody that uh, we uh, we want to, to to give them good moments. Although they are not in the stadium and, and uh, at home with the television, I think they enjoyed the game very much today, like we did it beside the pitch and uh, yeah very happy just finally on the Norwich game then Glenn uh, I have to admit that I didn't watch any of it but Adam Leach was on the Saints preview program ahead of Norwich and allegedly <laughs> according to Matt Hookway who tweeted the pod said and this is a quote from Matt so he tweeted to say just seen at Adam Leach Sport describe tonight's game on Saints YouTube as a must win for Norwich he's changed now to add fuel to the fire Glenn because uh, you know that's just one person's opinion I can confirm that Adam Leach liked that tweet so to me that appears like a sign of admission so I just wonder sort of what you made of that Glenn because obviously that's uh, you know someone that's previously had a no such thing as a must win opinion but it sounds like it's changed uh, it just changes with the weather Adam doesn't he, he you know he's just he's just catering for his new audience he's got <laughs> he's got a new upmarket audience and obviously you know he's just well, think, saying the I things think our that audience are fairly upmarket well, Adam obviously doesn't think so, and he, he, you know he's 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 changing he's changing with the weather just to just to say what his new paymasters want him to uh, want him to say. I guess I was I was defend him here. I caught a little bit of it. I chuckled to myself. Dean Hammond said it was a must-win game, and I looked at Adam's face because uh, you know they were obviously all on like the Zoom thing, and Adam wasn't having any of it. So I'm not sure whether he did or didn't say it. He certainly didn't say it when Dean Hammond said it. You know, the look on Adam's face was clear enough to me that he doesn't think it's a must-win game, but I didn't watch the whole thing. He's not so denied it at any point, didn't. though, that I'm aware of, Dan, so... Yeah, he's, um, yeah well, it depends on which side it was a must-win game for, because I... Well, he said I, Norwich, my, I think, yeah. Yeah, the impression I got was that he said that it was it was a must-win game for Norwich. Yeah. Ah, uh, OK. Yeah. Um, I would agree with him if he had said it wasn't a must-win game for us. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, you know, more for me, but I thought there was no such thing as a must-win, but clearly there is, after all. But uh, <laughs> there we go. But yeah, I was going to ask your opinion, Dan. I mean, obviously, this is a man that sort of helped train you, you know, and he's changing his opinion. It's not great, is it? But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess none of us have actually witnessed it. But as I say, he did like the tweet. You know, for me, that says a lot, Dan. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't defend that. So, you know. <laughs> there we go. But uh, no, I mean, no doubt at all that it was a superb win. Uh, great start for Saints. Um, a quick shout out also to Nathan Tello, of course, came on to make his Saints debut. I think Joe Prince Wright had tweeted to say six of the 16 Saints players who featured against Norwich had uh, graduated from the academy. I assume that probably includes Jack. He's one of our own Stevens. Uh, I also <coughs> just briefly wanted to give a shout out to Brian Northover as well, because Brian sent me a photo from Australia of him with a beer watching the football at 3am in the morning. So Brian, good on you. Next up for Saints this coming Thursday, depending, of course, when you're listening to this, is the Gunners at St Mary's. Um, Steve, over the past sort of three years of doing TSP, it feels like every time we've come up to face Arsenal, I've asked uh, what your view is of them, because, of course, they feel like a really up and down club. So do you feel like they're moving forward at the moment, or do you feel like they're moving backwards? <laughs> Forwards, then? <laughs> Um, no, I mean, it's one train wreck after another with them at the moment, isn't it? Mm. They are an absolute shambles and obviously not helped by some uh, horrendous bad luck as well with injuries. Mm. Um, I mean, they've had, what, three players, three players stretches off already in two games. Plus, David Luiz has done his uh, finest um, uh, sideshow Bob impression from the, where, he, where he walks around and stamps on all the rakes. <laughs> Um, that was basically his half an hour against Man City last week. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's disappointing that he'll be he'll still be suspended for the game on um, on Thursday, but they just look a shambles. I mean, you would have thought that in the three months sort of off that Mikel Arteta would have been using that time to instill some sort of 
um, backbone into them mm. um, to get them into a mentality where they can actually go and dominate these uh, games against lesser teams. I mean, they, they go to Man City, they get beat. Everyone goes there and most teams will get beat. Yeah, so I, yeah. I wouldn't read too much into that game last week. But on on Saturday, just it was just pathetic for the most mm. part. I mean, they, they, had, they had the best of the first 20 minutes or so in the first half and then a 10-minute spell in the second where they got the goal. And other than that, um, Brighton were thoroughly deserving of a result in that game, I thought. And this is a team that hasn't won a single competitive game in, in 2020. Yeah, yeah. And they've gone there and they've rolled over. You look at them and you think, well, how is this a club that was competing for titles regularly? Mm. Um, not that not that long ago. It's, it's scary. They've, they've kind of gone off a cliff, haven't they? If you, yeah. if you, I mean, for as long as I can remember, really, since the late 80s, when they won the title with that, Michael Thomas nice goal. Kick, yeah. Ever since then, they, you know, Wenger has built team after team after team, and you've been able to name every player in it. They've had some fantastic players, fantastic club. Right, even when Wenger wasn't winning stuff in the last sort of five or six years, they still had a lot of very, very good players, and you mm. knew you were going to go up there and get a chase in and not not see the ball much. Um, mm. They had a bit of a soft centre, so you had a chance. I looked at their starting lineup in the game against Manchester City, and I thought, "There's five or six players I don't even know who they are." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, youngsters who who don't look that good, and they seem to be pinning all their hopes on players like Genduzi, who is bang average. Yeah. Oh, he's Absolute, crap. He's absolute bang average. But it yeah. looks like looks like he's going to be suspended for Thursday as well. Right? Yeah, sounds yeah. like they're, they're going to re- retrospectively do him for yeah. the the grab of the three match stuff. Yeah, yeah. They do they do still have Lacazette, and they still have Aubameyang there. You know, they those two are, you know, very good level players. Yeah, yeah. So we can't take it for granted, but it's certainly a game that we've got to go out there thinking we can win. Yeah. And Dan, look, I know you're a very cool, calm individual, so I'm not expecting a, a, an over-the-top reaction here. But I think, as Steve said there, you know, going to Man City, losing, not the first club to do that. Going to Brighton, you know, obviously they threw it away in the last minute. I think the thing that's kind of stood out for me since the restart, of course, they will take a bit of time to get going like every club, but it's the attitude thing that, you know, that, like Glenn and Steve said, I mean, there's so many players in that Arsenal side that just, you know, don't look interested. I mean, the likes of Ozil, obviously, He's totally out of the squad now, 350 grand a week because his attitude stinks. I think that's almost the culture they built is sort of players that really aren't that bothered. I couldn't agree more, really. Over For me, over the last couple of games, the, the penny sort of dropped of just how far they have fallen. Mm. You know, they are absolutely miles off the top four. Yeah. And it's not like they've got the spending power to go and solve that in a season or two either. Yeah. You know, their policy is they don't go out and spend mega money, do they? No. Um, so, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I was shocked. Like I say, they were okay uh, to start with against Brighton, but then just got completely outplayed. So mm. Saints should feel pretty confident. I mean, I imagine you look at someone like Danny Ings and Redmond should be licking their lips at going up against that Arsenal defence at the moment. No, totally. And uh, I mean, their results, obviously, since the return, Glenn, you know, losing 3-0 at City, as we mentioned, then losing 2-1 down at Brighton to the, the last kick. So, I mean, they're obviously going to turn up to Saints lacking a bit of confidence. You know, alongside that, as you guys have said, they've got a few injuries. Of course, they've lost Leno, who, you know, played an absolute blinder at City. Um, they've also got Louis suspended, although that's probably, as Steve mentioned, a bit more of a, uh, a blow for us <laughs> than uh, for Arsenal. But I guess all in all, you know, it's funny, as you said at the start, a week in football, um, but it feels now like it's a really good time for us to play them. Absolutely. Um, I didn't realise quite how far off the European places they were mm. in the league table. Well, so if, if they, we beat them, we'll go level on points level. them. Yeah, they, they, they kind of fall into the bracket of teams that haven't really got a lot to play for. Mm. Um, they probably won't be wanting to make a late run to qualify for the Europa League. I think yeah. they'd be quite happy to be out of that. So maybe they're a side that are just going to play youngsters and, and go through the motions between now and the end of the season, mm. knowing that they're not really uh, not really going anywhere. But it's a it's a dangerous game to play for a club of their stature mm. um, and their you know with their their fan base and the expectations that they have. And I'm not just talking about the idiots on Arsenal fan TV. <laughs> um, you know, a club the size of Arsenal has, has got to be challenging and looking up the league and seeing Leicester and Sheffield United and Wolves mm. and teams like that a long way ahead of them um that's because they work hard that's yeah that's not good for a, for a team like Arsenal mm. um so you know you've got to be aware the the wounded animal sort of thing um they may come flying at it against us but you can't see it given the given the players that they've got they'll they'll turn up and they'll try and play their nice pretty football but you you do think that as long as we you know keep our heads and don't don't give them a foothold in the game. 
um, if we get the first goal, then we should be okay. And keep Aubameyang quiet because he still is a quality player. It's, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That's that's what I was going to yeah, say. And they're, they're, yeah, their attacking players are still um, excellent. And yeah. I mean, as you say, Aubameyang, Lacazette, and I think even, I, even Pepe eventually will mm. will turn Lacazette into that that sort of level player. Um, they they get into away most... since February last year. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's February a good 2019. Point. Well, there you go. That's perfect timing. Whenever a player's out of form, they normally uh, come up against That's us. Don't I think the other thing as well, Dan, just briefly, I mean, you mentioned Aubameyang, and I, I think I was just going to ask your opinion on who you saw the strengths. I guess the other challenge for Saints is, of course, he's been playing left wing, and we've already commented on how weak we look at right back. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the concern. Um, if Valerie does play, you know, he's going to be, he's going to have a busy 90 minutes. Like Steve said, you know, if he has an error, you just kind of hope that there's someone else there to cover for him. Mm. I, I find when I watch sort of Valerie, you know, he, he doesn't drift in and out of games, but every now and then he do something. Oh wow, bloody hell, that's good. Yeah. And then they go and do something. And you think, oh my word, he is so like vulnerable at the back. You know, he at the yeah. moment he is their weak link in defence. Steve's mentioned before it's like a mental block with him. It's concentration. Yeah. There's there's no yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no yeah. mental stamina there. No. Defensively, he just needs to put the ball in Rosetta occasionally, exactly. doesn't he? Yep. Um, yeah. There's too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. There's too much messing around. You know, they can't score if the ball's 70 yards off the pitch. Yep. So, you know, if it's not on, you've just got to decide when it's on and when it isn't. And mm. the the chance that Norwich had where he fannied around in the corner and, you know, and lost it and Pookie had the shot, he got to the ball first. Yeah. He had two chances to just whack it into the crowd and he scuffed it along the line. And, and you know, it's just like you can't play against good teams if you're going to cough up chances like that giving them situations in, in your own half. I mean, our, our attacking game is based on pinching the ball in their half. Yep. So you'd think our defensive game would focus on not giving the opposition <laughs> a chance to do that. Yeah, but if yeah. you fanny around with the ball and don't just don't put your foot through it occasionally, he's just asking for trouble. And that's all I wanted him to do yeah. um, in, in the game. And just briefly then, down as well, from a, a Saints point of view, of course, it'll be their first... Um, appearance back at St Mary's um, so of course it'll be interesting to see how the team get on bearing in mind we know how dodgy the home form's been the last couple of years but there won't be that sort of expectant and or frustrated home crowd behind them so I guess it's going to be interesting to see how Saints get on with that yeah 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 definitely um, you know I, I, I spoke to Stuart Armstrong after the the Norwich game and put that sort of question to him you know will you prefer playing away from home even throughout this and he just said, you know, it's just such an unknown because, you know, no one, we just don't know what it's going to be like. Yeah. You know, I think from what we've seen in Germany and maybe Leicester over here, you know, the team with the better players tends to win. That's the sort of take I've had on it. And there's no reason why Saints shouldn't go out and beat Arsenal at St. Mary's. It wouldn't make a difference, you know, if they're playing at the Emirates. You know, there are no fans. Everything has changed. So if you're going to beat them, you've just got to beat them. Uh, 11 on the pitch if that makes sense yeah thinking about Saints as well then Steve um, of course Gineppo will be still suspended he'll be uh, following his second match of his uh, red card against Newcastle at the time of recording we don't necessarily know about Shane Long but from Ralph's point of view would you change it much from the result in Norwich no I mean I think there would be maybe I mean at the very most there would be two changes I think and that would be if Long if Long is fit and available then I would play him Instead yep. of Obafemi, yep. um, I thought Obafemi got better into into the game, particularly second half mm. when the space opened up. First half, he he kind of got into good positions, but then I don't know, didn't seem to have the en- bit, didn't it? Well, either either his touch let him down, or he didn't seem to have quite have the energy to yeah. do what what his body was trying to do. It was it was really strange. Um, and obviously, then the other the other question is whether it's Valerie or Walker Peters. Mm. Um, and I mean, by the sound of it, it seems to just be a complete toss of a coin, mm. which doesn't say an awful lot for um, for either of them or for our recruitment either in mm. in that sense. Yeah. But um, I mean, that's 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 something to to work on. And you would assume that we're looking looking at options in in that regard to be honest, across across the back line, I guess. Um, but yeah, those, those those are the only two potential changes, I think. Um, other than that. Why change a uh, winning team? Um, I mean, it's going to be six six days after the last game. Arsenal obviously had the runaround um, in the heat on Saturday, so we've had what an extra twenty four hours rest, and we've only played ninety minutes as opposed to one hundred and eighty. Yeah, and pretty much everybody's getting fit again. 
I mean, the, these are the conditions that can't, that you would think should suit us. But I mean, you, you never know. I mean, as, as I say, Arsenal have got some world-class attacking players who can win the game on their own. Yeah. And, that, and that's, and that's why they've got them. But as I say, there's no, no reason why we can't uh, turn them over. Just finally there, Glenn, obviously we've spoken about Arsenal, we've spoken about right-backs, it felt like I had to touch on Cedric Suarez just briefly before we uh, finished up. Of course, um, <laughs> of course, he left us in January to join them. Uh, a fee of around £5 million has been quoted, um, including the loan fee and Arsenal picking up his wages. Um, he, of course, arrived with Arsenal injured. Um, he got himself fit and then just, uh, you know, having returned to Project Restart, a training uh, apparently collided with Bakayo Saka accidentally, I think, but broke his nose. Um, of course, we know he all loves a, a head injury, but our right back issues aside, um, you know, the more and more you look at that five million deal, um, you know, the more and more it looks better for Saints, doesn't it? It's a work of genius. <laughs> whoever, um, whoever, whoever did that deal, um, and it will only be eclipsed by if someone manages to get the twenty-six million someone was rumoured to be paying for uh, for Yannick Vestergaard. Yeah. Um, as I say, if, if Martin Simmons gets that deal over the line, they should Give build him a statue <laughs> next next to, next to Ted Bates. But uh, but no, um, Cedric. It's um, every every day during lockdown seemed to be. Cedric Suarez on Instagram in Arsenal kit day, didn't it? And he was, you know, <laughs> so proud to be at this yeah. club. What a great club. I what think is, I even saw he had a, uh, did he have a ping pong table made with the Arsenal logo on it? Something like oh, that. Oh, I mean, he went the whole hog. He's such a complete muppet. <laughs> he's a complete muppet, isn't he? he it, was, it was, it was that, it was that football ping pong. Oh, that's so it, it's, that's so it. it's, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. the curved, the curved table, isn't it? <laughs> he probably hit his nose on that. That's probably how he broke his nose trying to do one of those low headers they do on it. But, but this, I mean, this, the Cedric thing is an interesting one. It, in sort of going back to a previous conversation about the way Arsenal are being run at the moment, because obviously his Cedric's agent is Kia Jurabchin. Mm. He has inserted himself into the running of Arsenal at the moment. Mm. Um, so a lot of their signings are going to come through him, which I mean, a lot of his, a lot of his players are very good, but mm. if you're limiting yourself to one particular agent, then you're kind of getting yourself into conflict of interest territory and all kind, all kinds of nonsense goes on then. Yeah, they're probably trying to. They probably noticed that Wolves have done it very well, and they're probably trying to copy that model. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's going to work occasionally, but on other times it's just going to be a train wreck. Um, and from an Arsenal point of view, the signing of Cedric was ridiculous anyway, because I mean they've got two better right backs that I can think of off the top of my head in Bellerin and uh, Maitland Niles are yeah. both better than Cedric anyway. So I don't, I do not understand for the life of me from their point of view. Why they bought him? Has he refused to sign a new short-term contract? I think so they're it, not. I, I think they're not actually allowed to offer him a short-term deal because he's our player. Technically, it's only us that can offer a short-term deal. Oh yeah, that would make sense. Because he's only on loan. The loan is till the end of the contract. Mm. So obviously, we've no interest in offering him a new deal, have we? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess that means then, Dan, so he's, that he's that he would walk stuffed. out the door from a Saints point of view. Dan, he'll walk out the door effectively, leave the club as of the 30th of June, wherever he is. Well, I, I spoke to someone at the club on Cedric, uh, maybe at the beginning of last week or this week, and um, just about you know the the options have Arsenal been in contact? Because you can obviously agree. I, my understanding was that Arsenal would have to contact Saints and say, oh, you know, we want to keep this player until the end of the season. Are you happy with that? Mm. But what I was told is that's not the case because he's a free agent on the 30th of June. You know, from the 30th of June, he is not a Southampton player. He's a free agent. So from Saints' point of view they didn't think that Arsenal would need to contact them. So, I mean, I, I really don't know with Cedric. I mean, it, it's a strange one. I don't know when he becomes a free agent on the 30th of June. He's obviously then free to negotiate with other clubs. Mm. So, you know, what Arsenal are probably doing is waiting until then and then they get him on a cheaper deal. I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, like um, Glenn sort of mentioned, I don't think he'll be too fast because he's like, you can just imagine he's loving life in his Arsenal kit. It doesn't yeah. matter one way or the other. You know, he's he's got an Interman kit now and an Arsenal kit. He won't care if he plays or not. I doubt. <laughs> and he's still not got, <laughs> got any the sports director get that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there we go. Right, let's have some some predictions. As I mentioned, of course, uh, Mr. Sheldon again was the only one that was positive. He was the only one that went for a Saints win at uh, Norwich two one. So well done, Dan. Um, there you go, Dan. Do you want to start the uh, ball rolling then for uh, Saints versus Arsenal? I'll go. One all. One all. Think about that. All right, I'll jump in there then because I've gone for one all again as well. I don't want to get too carried away by one really good performance, so uh, I'll sit on the fence. Um, Steve, what about you? I just think Arsenal were in one of those one of those spells at the moment, so I think we and I think we're going to take advantage. I think we're going to win three one. Three one. Nice. All right, Glenn, can you do any better than that to finish this week's pod? 
I was going to say exactly the same, but okay. I will, I will, I will go different just to just to be different. I will say Saints to win two one. Two one, brilliant. All right, well, we'd certainly take any of those wins, wouldn't we? Thanks for listening to this week's TSP 120. We really appreciate it. We'll be back again next week after Saints have faced Watford. So look forward to catching up with you again then. Big thanks to Dan, Glenn and Steve. If you haven't already, then make sure you're checking out Dan's great work on the Daily Echo Saints website. Glenn's League 1-10 blog, which is already out post-Norwich and is uh, pretty placid. And uh, I don't think there was that many swear words in it this week, Glenn, was there? Um, might have been I'll have to up, up the count for next week <laughs> uh, and of course as Steve mentioned at the start his new saintsweb.co.uk site this has been Total Saints Podcast keep marching in because we are The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.